Welcome to Fresh Take, where we at Florida Organic Growers speak to food systems experts about topics related to organic and sustainable agriculture, healthy lifestyles, and the environment. To help us continue our programs at FOG, including our podcast, consider becoming a sponsor. For more information on sponsorship, check out our Get Involved page on our website, www.foginfo.org. Hello, and welcome to Fresh Take. In today's episode, we'll be diving into the world of seaweed and learning about its unique role in agriculture. I'm happy to be joined by Kabir Parker, an ocean entrepreneur and founder of Ocean's Bounty, who will share his knowledge and expertise on seaweed and how this versatile plant can help promote more sustainable and eco-friendly farming practices. Welcome to the show, Kabir. Thanks, Lana. Thank you for having me. Seaweed is one hell of a raw material. Yeah. Well, I'm really stoked about this topic uh, because I grew up practically on the beach and felt an intense connection with the ocean as a child. And, you know, I have fond memories of tumbling in the waves, playing in the sand, and honestly having just the time of my life, even until this day. (laughs) So (laughs) what is your story and your connection to the ocean and how did that lead you to pursue ocean entrepreneurship? Oh, sure. I mean, I'm actually a free diver and spear fisherman. Been doing that all my life. Very close connection to, to the ocean and to water. When I was six months old, my dad accidentally dropped me in the deep end of our pool. And he oh, said, no. and it's been a connection, strong connection ever since. And um, so I have always been by the water. I was actually pretty lucky to, I was born in Greenwich, Connecticut, but I was raised in New Delhi, India. And so I had access to a lot of the Indian Ocean growing up, some of the most pristine coral reefs there. And over recurring trips, I was starting to notice a decline in coral reef coverage and fish abundance. And I realized that due to anthropogenic human-made negative effects, namely nutrient pollution, et cetera, that the reefs I learned to call home were in danger of going extinct. And Mm. so I decided to dedicate myself towards saving them. Wow. That is honestly really inspiring. And I guess a good thing that your dad dropped you in the, in the pool. (laughs) Hell of an idea. Not sure if you want to reproduce that with your kids, but you know, teach them. (laughs) Well, um, I understand that you studied marine biology at the university of Miami shout out to the hurricanes fans listening out there. Um, So is this major what led you to discover seaweed's powerful benefits and the start of your own company called Ocean's Bounty? Kind of. So I was doing coral reef research at the University of Miami, and I became a little disheartened because I wasn't having the impact on the world that I wanted. Doing scientific research, I was helping papers get published, but I wasn't actually directly improving the state of the ocean, of the coral reefs that I wanted to save. And then with time, I found out about business and entrepreneurship. And I realized that when environmental solutions make economic sense, as opposed to just, you know, you're trying to get philanthropy all day, that your projects and your impact are self-sustaining. And that's what led me to seaweed. Gotcha. So for me, I mean, seaweed has always been a part of the beach. I did not appreciate um, (laughs) until pretty recently when I discovered the impact seaweed has on the environment and on even our our own health, what are the various roles that you see seaweed playing in our day-to-day life? 
Sure. So seaweed, as I said, is a pretty crazy raw material. There are reds, browns, and greens, and each have their own products that you can make out of them. You can make pharmaceuticals, you can extract certain nutraceuticals, you can turn it into biofertilizer, you can turn it into biochar, you can turn it into biofuel, uh, you can make it into human food, livestock food, and the list goes on and on and on. So the potential is is limitless. I think my favorite one is biofertilizer, and that's why we're here. Right, right. Well, I, I definitely want to dive into that a little bit deeper with you. But before we get into that, I would like to know more about your experience starting a seaweed farm. I understand that you you attempted to do this in, in Florida, mm-hmm. and not everything works out. But I want to know, you know, what what that was like for you, what that experience was. And what did you learn from that? Sure. So I tried to start a seaweed farm and essentially legislation made it really difficult, but that ended up being okay because I realized that if I wanted to have an impact on the environment, actually a seaweed farm wasn't necessarily the only thing that I had to do. When there are so many fantastic seaweed farms that are producing so much raw material in Asia, I realized that if I can either go into the processing of the actual seaweed and work on distributing those products here in the U.S., that could be even more of a viable business opportunity, as well as have the environmental impact here in the U.S. that I wanted to. Right. So and and learning from that, you decided to start your own seaweed fertilizer business. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Gotcha. So my understanding is that seaweed is a biostimulant. And for those people who are not familiar with that term, can you explain what a biostimulant means and how seaweed acts as a biostimulant? Yeah, biostimulants fall under the category of biologicals, which are somewhat fresh to U.S. farmers. I understand that there's still some hesitancy around it. Biostimulants are naturally occurring molecules. They aid in plant nutrient nutrient uptake. What's happening in soil is that there are bacteria that live in symbiotic relationships with plants, specifically the roots. In exchange for biostimulant molecules produced by these bacteria, the plants give these bacteria carbohydrates. They give them sugars to grow. And so these molecules vary. They include in our seaweed specifically, there are plant growth regulating hormones, there are amino acids, and there are B vitamins. B vitamins help with immune system response. They can prime the immune system in preparation for any immune attacks, such as from a mold spore. Amino acids make nutrients more available. It can, one amino acid can grab calcium molecules at a rate of a thousand reactions per second and make those available to the plant. And then your plant growth regulating hormones help with reproduction, with flowering, with cell division, et cetera. There is no downside. Wow. So... So you said it's naturally occurring mm-hmm. and it, it's so technically it, it stimulates growth without any added chemicals. Exactly. Our stuff is all natural. Some of some of the products in the market, they use potassium hydroxide, which affects the, the, the efficacy of the product, but ours are 100% pure. Wow. So in harvesting the seaweed, how does seaweed fertilizer compare to other common commercialized fertilizers in regards to the cost and the impacts that they have on the environment? Sure. So the whole point here 
is to improve the economics for farmers. That's the driving factor economically behind what we do at Ocean's Bounty. And so seaweed fertilizers or biostimulants go really well as part of a balanced soil building program based on the results my suppliers have had in Asia by applying our seaweed biostimulants in very light doses. You use maybe seven to nine ounces per acre. So it's super potent stuff. So you dilute it a lot. You dilute it 200x sometimes. You can get the same, if not better results while using less NPK fertilizers and overall spending less while getting more yield. That's the whole point behind what we do. Mm. And I, I did some research on this and I discovered that just, just looking at general studies um, on seaweed, according to the Food and Agriculture Organization, seaweed can increase yields up to 20% and reduce the need for chemical fertilizers when it comes to growing crops. Crazy, right? Yeah. It, it is a pretty big deal, it seems like, in terms of the effects that seaweed can have and, and knowing that it's, it's just in our backyard, really. Uh, at least in the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier that there are several types of seaweed, the reds, the greens, the brown. Are all types of seaweed applicable for being used for agricultural purposes? Absolutely. All seaweeds, because they're marine plants, uh, they all have benefits to land plants because a lot of the, the chemicals are, are similar. Right, right. Well, so just speaking in general, are there different benefits of using different types of seaweed? Like, do they play different roles in acting as biostimulants or even serving different roles in agriculture? Or do they generally, does each type of seaweed generally do the same, serve the same purpose? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, each ones have their own benefits and less benefits. We use tropical red seaweeds because they're among the most nutrient dense in the world. Some of the protein content, some of the protein contents are up to 50% sometimes. And the reason we use tropical seaweeds is several fold. So one, we can harvest them year round as opposed to seasonally. So we have very consistent supply. Another reason is that tropical seaweeds grow in nutrient deficient waters. They grow in clear water and clear water is clear because there's not many nutrients. There's not that much phytoplankton, zooplankton, feeding on the nutrients. So because these waters are hard to live in because they're tropical, our seaweeds have evolved to retain all the more nutrients in order to survive. And that's why our products are so nutrient dense. That's why they're so concentrated. And that's why they make such a great biostimulant compared to some of the others. Mm, okay, that makes sense. So in terms of harvesting the seaweed, I know that seaweed farming in itself is a whole other beast. And I've I read that according to the United Nations, seaweed farming is currently a $6 billion global industry mm -hmm. with significant growth potential. As far as seaweed farming in the United States and, and even with your experience in Florida, can you walk us through the process of seaweed farming, what is involved and kind of from start to finish, a, a summary of what that looks like? Yeah, sure. So our suppliers farm seaweed. And thanks to a government partnership, we employ underprivileged women off the coast of India that wouldn't otherwise have jobs. So there is a clear social impact play to our company. And that's really important that we have what's called the triple bottom line. So there's economic impact, 
there's economic gain, there's social impact, and there's environment, environmental impact. We, we, we cross all three. And so seaweed farming is actually in the tropics really straightforward. That's why Asia has had success, such success over there as it's near close to the equator. And so it's quite simple. Take four pieces of bamboo, create a square shaped raft, let's say a meter by meter, sorry, three yards by three yards, or a yard by yard, excuse me. And you take a fishing line, and you put the fishing line in between inside your raft. And then you take a small piece of seaweed, let's say a two inch piece. You tie that onto the fishing line using the fishing line. And then you plop it in the water. You get it out there. And then after three months, you harvest, rinse and repeat. Wow. Okay. So pretty, pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. I have recently learned about seaweed and its role in aquaculture and regenerative ocean farming and how it has tremendous impacts on the ocean in terms of sequestering carbon from the environment, attracting new wildlife. So what are, what are the other benefits that you know about that come from um, seaweed farming? Yeah. Seaweed is pretty amazing. You can create these little ecosystems with, with your seaweed farms and they fall under, as you said, regenerative practices. So seaweed farms, our farmers especially, they had trouble with with fish trying to steal all the seaweed, trying to eat it all away. So the fish are very happy being around seaweed farms. So they they provide food for surrounding marine life. They provide habitat. You might find crabs and lobsters and different kinds of shellfish growing nearby. And they also provide oxygen. They they oxygenate water. So it's really um, a a no-lose scenario here. Right. And I understand also that seaweed in in general has a lower carbon footprint than many other crops because it does not require fresh water, fertilizer, or pesticides to grow. Is that correct? Yeah. you um, As long as you're in an area that has adequate sunlight and has adequate nutrients, adequate salinity, site selection is obviously super important as with any sort of farming. As long as you have those ticked off, then it's a very straightforward and very sustainable regenerative crop to grow. So have you experienced any challenges or do you know of any challenges that seaweed farmers generally come across when they are cultivating and harvesting seaweed? I'd say the biggest challenge is in the tropics, it's relatively straightforward to grow. We have in India a monsoon season that makes it pretty impossible to grow. So that's, you know, maybe a couple months of the year where you're where the farms are out of the water. Other than that, it's quite straightforward. And then I'd say the biggest thing that the seaweed industry needs is more processing of the raw material as opposed to just farmers, as opposed to just farms, because uh, there's plenty of raw material out there already and plenty of farms, farmers that are eager to, to sell their products. They just need somebody to process it. So that's where my suppliers came in. And then so it goes farmer, manufacturer, supplier, the processor, and then it goes to Ocean's Bounty, us, who then put it into the hands of American farmers. Mm. And as far as specialized equipment or knowledge that it takes to to run a seaweed farm, what are some of the things that are, you know, necessities uh, to have in this kind of operation? You know, Lana, it's so it's so straightforward. You need bamboo, you need fishing line, you need an area to, to dry it off. And that's really it from the farmer's perspective. And then we have a factory on the coast of India where that's a bit more tech intensive and we have some IP around how to process it and get the, the concentration to be very high. 
Is that is that process um, the same off the coast of Florida that that you've experienced in, in comparison to the shores of India? Mm-hmm. It's actually a little different. So my suppliers do have some IP and patents around their specialized processing. Some processing you use an acid or a base and run the run the seaweed extract uh, blend it up through that, and that can affect the efficacy of the product. You can have if you add an acid or a base to your to your biostimulant, that can affect the orientation of the of the amino acids. And then the amino acids are, are present when you test for them, but they're actually no longer active. And they no, they no longer will work on, let's say, calcium calcium atoms in the mix. Right, right. Yeah, I'm just, I'm curious to, to know. I mean, definitely there's, we have several different oceans across this planet mm-hmm. and different types of nutrients that flow through our waterways. So for someone who wants to start a seaweed farm, on a you know on another coast on a different continent mm-hmm. in the U.S. or not in the U.S. What are the what are the factors that you have to uh, account for when it comes to the nutrients and um, maybe even the the animal life that exists in the in the shores that you're looking to create a seaweed farm in? Yeah, put some. You you want to grow seaweed where seaweed naturally grows. Otherwise, uh, it might not work. Um, so I would find an area where seaweed's naturally growing and then and then take some and attach it to some wraps and go th- and then see if it grows. And then it's better to it's necessary it's technically better to do it in the tropics because you can farm year round as opposed to seasonally in temperate areas. Mm. The biggest um hurdle any seaweed farmer will face is the initial legislation and in getting all that stuff approved, just such as what I what I experienced. In Florida. Yeah, right. And I and that's what it kind of shocks me is because we and, and every single time I go to the beaches here in Florida, I come across tons and tons of seaweed. And obviously that seaweed is the one that's washed ashore and not the ones that are thriving in the ocean. But it's it's something that I, I think a lot of folks don't really think twice about when they're walking the coasts of Florida or any other state and, and witnessing kind of washed up seaweed, not thinking twice about the impacts that seaweed could have on, you know, on growing different crops being used as a fertilizer, but also how it impacts the oceans itself. Mm-hmm. I take it, you know about sargassum? Sargassum. I've heard of that, but I would like to know some more. Okay, so sargassum is the massive swaths of seaweed that wash up mostly on the east coast the southeast coast every year there's about 40 million metric tons on its way to florida right now and oh i did hear about this yes mm-hmm. so it's it's naturally it's naturally occurring it's not technically invasive but because of the net positive amounts of nutrients nitrogen phosphorus etc that we've that that have run off into the ocean this naturally mm-hmm. occurring event has gone out of control. And so phase two of Ocean's Bounty is actually doing in-house on the ground manufacturing and processing here in Florida. I'm actually talking to uh, some government entities to put that in play right now. Hope it goes well. And so working on it is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Right. So does that mean that the agricultural runoff that ends up in the oceans are you saying that that is what's contributing to these 
big bodies of seaweed floating in in our oceans yeah exactly because the uh, the npk that plants love ocean plants also love ah this is all making sense now <laughs> mm -hmm. are you aware of the the red tide yes the red tide is something that is a big deal here in the state of florida but from a seaweed expert I, i'd love to hear some of your um, understanding on what's going on with that and even the current situation of the red tide so nutrient pollution induced red tide is actually uh, one of my primary motivations for starting this company and so because the the nitrogen and phosphorus that's coming out of out of the waterways like the, the clusahatchee and and other inputs into the ocean they feed microalgae instead of macroalgae which is seaweed they feed microalgae which are phytoplankton that um, are there are naturally present but the red algae is extremely toxic and so these nutrients feed them they bloom and then they're toxic and then when they die all of the microalgae start respiring bacteria start feasting on them and that sucks away all the oxygen out of the water creating these dead zones and that's part of the reason why so many marine so much marine life um, ends up getting killed in the process is that they just take out all the oxygen out of the water and none of the fish and everything else can can breathe and it's terrible and so if you farm seaweed and you put seaweed in the way of that then you can take out these nutrients before they kill fish wow wow yeah and and it is quite sad to know what's happening with these oceanic dead zones and the depletion i think of of life um in those areas and Florida is a very interesting state. I mean, we have, we're a peninsula surrounded by water. Um, so clearly there is a need to focus on biodiversity and bringing in different innovative methods of farming that will help our water waterways instead of depleting them. So are there other impacts or benefits of seaweed farming besides the ones that we've mentioned in terms of carbon sequestration, increased biodiversity? Are there any other impacts that you have seen or witnessed with seaweed? What more could you want? I think, I think yeah. it, it improves everything at that point. And then I'll also add that seaweed extracts, these biostimulants help improve, they, they reduce nutrient pollution because they help soils retain their nutrients because they, they help the microbiology of the soil. And so not only are you taking, are you feeding seaweed using nutrient pollution, but you're also helping the soil keep those nutrients um, from, from that point on. So it really is a, a wonderful cycle. Right. And there's something, there's a phrase I just came across that seaweed serves as a soil conditioner. And I found that to be quite funny because I, you know, I use conditioner on my hair. So thinking <laughs> soil using conditioner through seaweed um, is actually a quite cool concept. So it's, it's, it's nice to think of it. I think in that way, maybe it's easier for folks to understand kind of the benefits of seaweed as a conditioner for soil. It's, it's a supplement. It's a supplement. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. So what, what, what advice would you have for aspiring farmers or entrepreneurs uh, who are interested in incorporating seaweed? I would say to let the market decide what you do. That's one of the lessons that I've learned. Maybe the market around you doesn't necessarily need a seaweed farm, maybe, but maybe it needs seaweed products that can improve the state of the environment and improve 
the way we we produce food uh, in ways that make economic sense. And so figure out the path of least resistance for your business and always let the market decide what you do. Don't let an environmental need dictate your business, but do it by where do people need products that they'd be willing to pay for. I think that's really important for your business to survive. Hmm. And as far as incorporating it into other products, like you said, not just looking at seaweed farming, you know, I've come across a lot of benefits of seaweed. I've heard that it's more iron rich than spinach, has more calcium than milk. So it's it's also really good for consumption for our human mm-hmm. health. Um, so it seems to be a crop that really goes in so many ways in terms of benefiting us, the planet, the environment, and so on. Are there any myths about seaweed that you would like to debunk on today's episode? Seaweed is a, an incredible raw material. I don't think that, you know, there are some, there are people out there that think that if we grow a bunch of seaweed in the middle of the ocean and then dump it, that that'll resolve climate change. I don't intuitively, that doesn't make sense to me or scientifically. I think it's better to, instead of messing with nature like that, um, accelerate it's better to accelerate natural cycles, which is what seaweed farming into biofertilizers um, is exactly a representation of. Mm. Awesome. Well, how do you see this, the role of seaweed specifically in agriculture evolving in the coming years? Do you see it becoming more incorporated into the narrative and into the hands of farmers? Where, where do you see it going? Yeah, I think, and all, all seaweed products work. I'll, I'll end it off by that. And so I see more peop- more farmers testing it out, realizing that at least our stuff is battery acid free. It's, it's the real deal. And hopefully it ends, it, it ends with more yields and more money made by the farmer and improving the economics of, of what they do. That's really, that's, that's the whole point of what we do. All right. Awesome. Well, um, a big thank you to you, Kabir, for for spending time with us today, sharing your insights. This work honestly is is truly impactful and and has is going to have effects for the long run. So I hope our conversation today inspired some folks listening to take a deeper dive into the subject um, and help address a number of issues we face today. Are there any other resources, Kabir, that you would like to share? with our audience uh, in case they're more interested in learning more about seaweed, about the impacts of seaweed, where can they go to check out some more information? Yeah, the best website for it is actually not made by me. It's made by a different company called Hatch. Check out seaweedinsights.com. Lots of really great intel on there. And then our our company's page is oceansbounty.co. And then if you email me at kabir, K-A-B-I-R, at oceansbounty.co, I can send you our presentation. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kabir. That's a seaweed wrap on today's episode of Fresh Take. We hope you enjoyed learning about the benefits of seaweed and how it can contribute to more sustainable agricultural practices. Be sure to tune in to our next episode for more tips and ideas on living a more sustainable lifestyle. And don't forget to like our podcast on whatever streaming platform you prefer to use. Subscribe and leave us a review. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Puerto Organic Growers is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So to keep our content available and free to the public, we need your help. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. 
and consider making a tax-deductible donation or become a sponsor. Learn more about our work and how you can become a sponsor from our website, www.boginfo.org.